It was our vision. And the vision was written when I got there, just a couple, maybe weeks or months before. And I just knew that I was going to be in the right place to really make a difference for millions and millions of women. And that was really what the major driver was. Not to mention also, you go back to the entrepreneurial piece, building everything from the ground up. How exciting, right? You're building a company, you're building a culture. Like everything we've pretty much done has been from ground zero. And that has been so incredibly exciting for me to be able to put my brain against and figure about how do you take that mound of clay and shape it into something that's meaningful. That's how success happens. From Entrepreneur Magazine, my name is Robert Tuckman. I self-funded, built up, and eventually sold two businesses to major players in the sports and entertainment industry. And I am fascinated by other entrepreneurial minds and what drives high-achieving people. So on this podcast, we're going to learn what they've learned and what it takes to really succeed. Wendy Lund is the Chief Communications Officer of Organon, whose vision is a better and healthier every day for every woman. Organon is a global healthcare company dedicated to making a world of difference for women, their families, and the communities they care for. Wendy is responsible for establishing and overseeing global communications and related advocacy for Organon to help advance the health of women. Before joining Organon, Wendy was CEO for GCI Health, a full-service integrated healthcare communications agency. In that role, She set and carried out a vision of excellence, growing the agency a thousand percent to solidify GCI Health as a best-in-class communications company. But throughout her 30-plus year career, Wendy has maintained a focus on women's health, helping bring information and advocacy around the world. She began her career in the nonprofit industry, serving as the vice president of marketing for Planned Parenthood. And before that, as the Vice President of Marketing at the National League for Nursing. She is passionate in her pursuit to improve the lives of women and has been recognized for her efforts with industry awards, including being named Entrepreneur of the Year by Medical Marketing and Media. She is a member of the Page Society and active in other communications councils and initiatives. Wendy has a master's degree from New York University and lives with her family and her puppy in the metro New York area. I began my conversation with Wendy by asking about how her passion for helping women came about. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. And I love your question. So thank you for asking it. Probably go on hours describing how I got there and where I am today. But it actually happened as an epiphany in college. I ended up majoring in history, but then minoring in women's studies. And through the course of this course in women's studies, many courses in women's studies, I really started to really understand the equity issues that existed for women all over the world. And, you know, these classes were taught, like this was in an earlier days of teaching about women and women's issues. So a lot of it was taught by graduate students who tended to be more activism oriented. So they kind of got my blood going. (laughs) And, uh, you know, even at my graduation, I carried a sign that was like 60 cents to the dollar and parents (laughs) were like totally mortified. But that just like, so I graduated college. I was like, I'm moving to Washington because I want to help women. And I thought I was going to be like the CEO of the National Organization for Women. And of course, my first job out of college, I was basically working, you know, in an office and, you know, supporting the office. But I quickly found my way 
into working with women. And that's where I discovered my true passion around women's issues and women's health and my ability to really expand on that in uh, working first for a nursing organization for seven years, um, focusing on VP of marketing there, where I really worked on building the awareness and exposure for nurses and sharing all that they do that was really undervalued in our society. And then moving on to sort of a pinnacle there in terms of being head of marketing at Planned Parenthood, which really drove me deeply, deeply into the issues around reproductive health and women's health and reproductive rights. So I had an early start and it just has tended to build from there. And it's incredible because you really continued to follow that path. And and for you as, as an entrepreneur in many different forms, you've always had this mission. And it seems like I don't know, but it seems like it's continued to grow and we'll get into what you're doing now and the other things you've done. But have you noticed, it sounds like you still have that same energy when you were like carrying those signs, right? Back in the day. Is is, is that true? There is an endless number of opportunities and challenges for women today. So yes, it has not ended at all. And I think really where I've valued my opportunity to contribute is really around the word build, but also first. So even when I was at Planned Parenthood, what we needed to do is really diversify our, our revenue sources. And so it was all about building those firsts around creating a book series or doing a licensing deal or creating different ways to educate and bringing in new technologies uh, into the US that were used in other parts of the world. And I would say that that really shaped my future for my career in terms of always looking at how to really disrupt the status quo, how to look at build, 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 look at growth and look at how to do things differently and be first. Yeah. It's really amazing. Just, I mean, how far we've come, well, you can tell me if that's true, but how far you've come and what you've done and worked in to where we are today, just let's say over the last five years with the Me Too movement? And does it seem like to you from someone who's been, was doing this way before anyone really was this involved as a culture, does it seem to you over these last five, six years, we've made significant changes or is there still real issues at the core? So Robert, I tend to be a very optimistic, positive person. So in the vein of that, I have to say we've made progress. I look at my life and what I kind of have fought through to get to this point in my career. And I look at my daughter and what she's going to have to fight through. And they're very different things. And I feel like my generation has made significant progress for our children, just the way the generation before us made really significant progress for my generation. That said, we still have a ways to go when we look at health issues and women, starting back in the days of working in reproductive rights and reproductive health. 20 years ago, the unintended pregnancy rate in the US, close to 50%. Last week, UNFPA issued a report, unintended pregnancy rate around the world, around 50%. And I could share, and that's with things like access, and that's with more information, and that's with the advent of the internet and social channels. And I could basically go down a series of different women's health issues that I kind of call the outrageous facts of women's health and share how things have not changed over the last 20 years. So lots of progress. Women are probably in much better control of their lives. I will say that COVID had a devastating impact on women and disproportionately affected women on multiple levels. 
but however you slice it, you still have a ways to go. Yeah. Why was that? I mean, and, and first, so I can get this in, I've always, I love talking to you and I really appreciate you coming on, having two teenage daughters right now and understanding kind of the challenges they face, which I didn't realize growing up as a guy, but I'm so thankful for that. And getting back to COVID, why was it so much harder and so much more difficult as you look at everyone for for women? So I think in general, in our society, we look at women as our natural caregiver caretaker. So when you get into a world where you're already trying to balance your life with the kids and the job and the partner and the, just the, the family and the parents and the house. And so women were already kind of teetering on the brink there going into COVID and COVID just kind of threw women over the edge, right? They, their daycare pretty much disintegrated their ability to work in an effective way, pretty much disintegrated the balance pretty much disintegrated. If there ever was balance, I've never actually ever believed in that term work-life balance because your life is completely integrated with your work True. when you're a woman. And that's if you're working in the workforce or working at home, you know, you're just like constantly do, do, do. It doesn't matter what it is. So, you know, and the other thing that, you know, really took a big toll on women was just their health in general. You know, women were already struggling before COVID with mental health issues around stress, anxiety, depression. And then here comes COVID, which had a natural impact on those things. And it disproportionately affected mental health. Women stopped going for their screenings, for their regular doctor's appointments. They put everything before themselves. They dropped out of the workforce. So these, all these factors that, you know, women were really trying to balance on like the tip of a spear really came to a head during COVID where a lot of things kind of fell apart for women. And I think women are now just, you know, beginning to see, and we're just beginning to see a society, what the true impact will be. And I think we're going to have some work for years to come to get back on track. I completely, and I, mean, I don't even know what that track is. Like maybe we need a new track, but right. just to get back to a, a, yeah. No. And, and I lived it firsthand, you know, seeing my wife and, and just always amazed because she's a, a working mom and handling, you know, obviously the children and her work and then going through COVID and, and just the amount of time, energy. And then of course, always the, feelings of guilt and, you know, with dealing with your kids or work, I've always said that to me, that is such a difficult position to be in for where she was. And I really do believe, like you said, for many people, especially women, the outcome we haven't seen yet on the mental health side, but I, I see how much of a toll it's taken. And again, I think you're, you're right on the money there. And I do want to go back to you helped start and, and CEO and build a, a major communications company as an entrepreneur. Tell me about how that started and, and the early days. Yeah. So I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit. I think it was driven really by my dad, who incredible entrepreneurial kind of spirit that he has in terms of kind of seeing like a level playing field and then building from there. And so that's kind of how I've always looked at life. So when I stepped into the new agency, I basically started from ground level, I guess you'd say. I always look at every company I've ever worked with or every product I've ever worked on as really my own. I'm taking this personally as if I really own it. And so that's really how I, you know, day one, that's exactly how I looked at it. And the other philosophy I always have is that your team is important to have well in place before you start to build a strategy. That businesses are not built by one person per se, they're built by teams of people. 
and having all those right pieces fit together to support the vision that we put together and grow it from there. So, you know, it was amazing. And I love the idea of being an entrepreneur wherever I go. I kind of fancy myself a little bit of an entrepreneur because I've never actually started my own business. But I always feel like with every endeavor, that business is mine. It's mine to own. And I will do whatever I can to see it grow, to innovate, to drive, to create those firsts I mentioned in the beginning and create a successful business. Well, I think that's why you've been so successful in so many places that you've gone is I love that attitude of entrepreneur, entrepreneur, and really you owning this because that's when you really put forth the full effort and energy into anything. And and, and I'm sure, do you think that's played a big part in your personal or, or, or success within the work world? A hundred percent, because at the end of the day, I was a single working mom and I really, while I would have loved to have gone out and started like 50 different businesses by now, I just wasn't in a position to do that, right? So I always think about other people who are in similar positions that hunger to go out and do your own thing and just feel that energy and excitement. And of course, see the, the flip sides too, like understand the challenges that go with it. That just wasn't possible for me. So for me, who had this like, energy running through myself 24-7, this was the best way to channel that energy about building and growing and creating something that I really always felt I could call my own along with the team of people I worked with. And it really has been a major driver for my career and for myself personally. Yeah, it's really amazing what you've done. And, and you really bring up a great point because as you said, from like your dad, you, you really inherited this, this energy and, and to build and to be an entrepreneur, you found yourself in a situation where you needed some security. So it's not as easy as saying, okay, I could go do this because there's mouths to feed. And for me, you know, sometimes I'm always just like, go build it, go do it. But we all find ourselves in different situations. But what I love is that you were able to still find your way to become that entrepreneur. And I want to talk about you going and obviously building up, becoming CEO, uh, right, of this healthcare communications agency over 10 years. What made you leave and what was your next step? So it was an amazing 10 or 11 years that I was there. We grew from small team to a very large team. When I left, we had won agency of the year quite a few times. We were in a large agency category. I think the thing that made me most happy was that we won best place to work a number of years. For me, it was all about creating a culture that people wanted to work in and that working parents could feel comfortable you know, being in every single day and knowing that there was support around them So, and, and everyone else. But bottom line is, I think I was one of those COVID babies that when I ran the agency, it was all done with passion, but also a lot of purpose. And we really looked at people and how we can really put them in the center of everything we did from a kind of marketing and communications perspective. But one day I woke up in 2020 and said, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to do something different and put my energy squarely into something that I have been passionate about my entire career, which is women and serendipity. I heard from Morgan on, and I think you know all of these things matched up, and I made this decision to go in house. And the, the thing that was a bit interesting for me, and this is all about you know changing careers, sort of midstream. I mean, I stayed in the pharma space, which I had worked in in healthcare for my entire career, 
but going in-house was a big change for me. And most people usually kind of make those career changes earlier in their career. And here I was doing it sort of in the later part of my career. But I have to say, it's been an amazing and very insightful opportunity for me. And I definitely have had some insights about how I would have worked differently as an agency leader now that I've been here over a year. What was the big driver, like you said, COVID baby and and being at that point, going from an agency in-house somewhere? But it sounds like for you, I'm curious what it was. Was it Organon's mission? What or or what was it that really just got you to finally, you know, make that change? Because that, that's a, a big change. It was these words, creating a better and healthier every day for every woman. It was our vision. And the vision was written when I got there just a couple, maybe weeks or months before. And I just knew that I was going to be in the right place to really make a difference for millions and millions of women. And that was really what the major driver was. Not to mention also, you know, you go back to the entrepreneurial piece, building everything from the ground up. How exciting, right? You're building a company. You're building a culture, like everything we've pretty much done has been from ground zero. And that has been so incredibly exciting for me to be able to put my brain against and figure about how do you take that mound of clay and shape it into something that's meaningful and shapes according to our vision and drives our vision. More from our guests, but first a word from our sponsors. Are you constantly finding yourself with 50 tabs open a day, hopping between tools just to do your job, Notion is the most customizable tool that helps teams organize information, manage projects, and get more work done together, all in one place. More than 70% of teams that use Notion stop using two or more tools because they didn't need them anymore. With powerful integrations, an API, and seamless navigation, you'll have everything you need in one spot so you can make speed your advantage without the silos and context switching that slow companies down. Plus, Notion has a worldwide network of millions of users, creating templates, tutorials, and new inspiration. The product is getting better all the time, and you'll always have the support you need. Learn more and get started for free at notion.com slash how success happens. That's notion.com slash how success happens to help you take the first step toward an organized, happier team today. And our next sponsor. This episode of How Success Happens is being presented by State Farm. Being a small business owner can be so fulfilling, rewarding, and let's be honest, a little scary from time to time. Doing your own thing and being your own boss is great, but sometimes it can make you feel like you're all alone, especially when things aren't going great. Well, the folks at State Farm want you to know you're not alone. State Farm has thousands of agents who are small business owners too, so they know what it takes to protect everything you've worked so hard for. State Farm has an assortment of insurance policies for small businesses that can be tailored to your needs. So whether you're a hairstylist, an electrician, or a florist, State Farm agents are ready to help. Learn more and find an agent today at statefarm.com slash small business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And we're back. It seems to me, you, like even with Organon, like this is even more exciting for you. And is that because it's mission driven or is that just your 
how you are? Is it a combination? I think what I love about it, and I hope that others at Organon would say the same, is that our business imperatives and our purpose is inextricably linked. And it's very, very difficult when you look at large pharma or mid-sized pharma to start right there. Usually you're walking into a company that's well-established and then, you know, it's very, very hard to back up that truck, right? Mm-hmm. So here we're starting from that and it's all about, you know, our vision is very much interwined in that. And so I count myself really lucky that I'm in a business environment where I'm focusing on our commercial success along with our driving our purpose. Yeah. How hard was it? You started the business really during COVID, right? Was that a difficult task? Were there pluses and minuses? So lots of both. I think, you know, anyone who walks into launching a company during COVID definitely has the challenges of, okay, companies are built on so many different things, but relationships are obviously key to those. And building a reputation, you know, public relations, communications, this is all about how you interrelate with the public and with stakeholders. So doing that in an environment where you're quarantined, but almost like it's like so counterintuitive, right? So how do you actually use the tools at your fingertips to really create a success? And I think that's what I really am pr- very prideful about. And I give my team so much credit for thinking through all those channels and all those tools that have come available to us as communicators over the past 10 to 15 years that we put into like full 100% use. And you know, keeping in mind, one of the beauties of our company is that we have 140 markets. So we think about that, we have ambassadors all over the world. And so we just said, let's open our channels, let's let people speak to us. And we had a huge listening effort, which I can come back to if you'd like. But also we, we ripped off the Band-Aid for our 9,500 employees and said, you're able to go out and talk about this. So we really, I mean, I could go through a list of different things we did, but at the end of the day, we just used all of the tools available to us, all those channels available to us. We had a really strong message we sent out. And you know what? One of the keys was here, we listened. We opened everything up to listen to people, which is very unusual in our industry. And it really made a difference and it really struck a chord. For you personally, as such a great leader, and you just talked about listening, would you say that is one of your strengths? Well, I think there's definitely times as a New Yorker, I could <laughs> slow down and listen a little bit more. <laughs> I know the feeling. Because <laughs> as you know, New Yorkers love to talk. <laughs> I know the feeling. And so and love to share. But I think, you know, one of my big insights since coming here, um, starting a new job in the middle of COVID, one of the things I learned was just to connect with as many people as possible. And I think this is the core to building a business. I found this in every single business I've ever worked in. It's like, slow down, take a breath, listen, learn, lead from there, right? So I kind of deployed that through my, my orientation through a COVID way of getting on board and being part of this team. And what we heard from women when we were doing research in the very beginning was that they were doing a lot of talking, but nobody was really listening. And we said, you know what? This is a big aha. Let's like stop talking. Like, you know, let's just stop talking and let's listen. And we basically said to women, we want to hear what your greatest unmet need is. And we gave them multiple places to come to to talk about it. And thousands of women came in and told us what their needs were. So I have my little microphone here that kind of, you know, shares a little bit of that spirit. But yeah, we have definitely created it for us. The global symbol for us is that microphone. Yeah. And and I love that. I love that symbolism there. And for you and Organon, and again, it's it's been it's amazing how quickly you've gotten out there and and people are learning about you. Have you had a lot of women who have come to you, who've kind of really been like, this is, I want to be part of this. Have you seen 
Uh, <laughs> so you have a, 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 a email full, uh, a email box full of resumes, I am sure. But has that been a big driver in what you're doing when people are learning about it? So it's been pretty incredible because, you know, we're dealing right now with this great reset or this, you know, whatever we're calling it, where people are, you know, leaving their jobs. And yeah. I think one of the beauties is because we're so purpose driven as a company, a lot of people have come to us and said, Hey, I would love to work for you in different capacity. You know, please hold my resume for when there's an opening. People have definitely come to me and said, you know, I love what you guys are doing. I'd love to be a part of it. It really just speaks to the fact that, you know, for today, I think most people having gone through COVID and having such a tough time over mm. the past few years, doing something for a reason, doing something with mission really does make a difference. So I really feel and I count myself so lucky, but I'll give you one quick example that just shows how much, how the impact of this. So on International Women's Day, which is March 8th, we basically said, you know, we know that women are, you know, disproportionately affected by COVID. And one of the things they haven't done, as I mentioned before, is help themselves be healthy. So we said as a show of strength and a show of support to our uh, employees, we're going to give them all the day off, everyone, and go do something for yourself and for your health. And that really caught on by wildfire. We had significant, significant presence all over the internet, all over social, all over the web. Um, we were invited back to the New York Stock Exchange to ring the bell wow. in honor of it. One of the things I think is one of the greatest metrics, and I think we all love metrics as like a strong you know, entrepreneur, entrepreneur, is we had hundreds and hundreds of people who came to our career page and I would say three quarters of those applied for a job. So just a huge driver of interest in the company. So it just, I, it really speaks to the fact that people really do want to work with a purpose today. And you can do that from a vision perspective, a mission perspective, a commercial perspective, but I think people want to really put their heads against something. Yeah. And I love that, you know, when you look at yourself, you've really been doing that since it was... <laughs> before it was fashionable, right? So you've really always focused on that, which is which is incredible. And I know you spoke a little bit about your dad. Can you tell me maybe more about some of those early influences, whether it was your father, were there other people who inspired you? Yeah, my dad has had an enormous influence on me. Um, he actually, his career, most of it was a very senior level executive at a major retail chain. But I, I'll never forget just walking in with him when I got those summer jobs that the kids get where the entire... And he would always take the staff elevator versus the executive elevator. I don't know if you remember those days. Oh yeah. I love that. And uh, I remember we would go into the staff elevator and people would turn to me and say, your dad is the greatest man. Like I just always loved that feeling of being so proud of him that he was such a kind person to employees, but he was a great businessman. And it wasn't just with the numbers. Like he really had a vision for building and so that always stuck with me that he always encouraged me to, you know, not sweat the small stuff, really focus on the big picture, focus on your end game and figure out how you're going to get there point by point by point. And if you put your mind to it, you will. I think one of the other things that's made me, you know, feel really proud is that my son has inherited the spirit and he actually um, has been a lot, you know, more forceful in creating his own business. He started to collect sneakers, as I would call it, in high school. And when he got into college, needed some extra money and sold off some of those sneakers. And voila, he became somebody who became very proficient at buying and selling sneakers. And now he has a very successful business and I'm really proud of him. It was done with nothing, no support from anybody, just started from scratch. 
and he and his wife are going at it, making, you know, waves out there in the sneaker world. So I have like, I'm, I'm like bookended by these two really, really incredible entrepreneurs, both of who, both who have different visions for themselves, but, you know, really are looking at sort of how they get to the next spot. And then I did have a mentor when I was younger in my career, I would say her focus was really about making me fearless and not being hit down when you get hit down. So I think, you know, anyone who tries to innovate and especially in an industry that's conservative, you're going to have naysayers, you're going to have people that are, you know, sort of no, no, no. I have found in this particular role that people get really, really excited and they want to do things differently. They're ready to rip the bandaid off and go do it. But of course, you're always going to have people that are cynical about these kind of things. And so, you know, what I learned from this woman early on, because, you know, this was the days where women didn't succeed as fast and grow as fast as maybe they would today was never let them punch you down. And so I always have kind of envisioned myself as remember that Bozo doll that, you know, you would punch <laughs> yeah. and it would come back up yeah. and you would punch and it would come back. I kind of always see myself as that, like on those days where I feel like I'm about to be punched down, I'm like coming back up. So she really gave me strength, I think of character and confidence that, not everybody's going to agree with you, but if you're doing the right thing, it's going to all work out and you just have to keep pushing yourself and pushing through and finding the right allies to work with to make it all happen. I love that in talking about, you know, kind of the bookends of your father and your son and learning from both. But I really love this about what your mentor said and understanding like you're going to get thrown to the mat. You're going to get punched in the face. And what I've seen and what I've learned from interviewing over 150 top, you know, level executives and entrepreneurs. And I'm curious if you agree, it's your ability to pick yourself up and move forward that really determines success in the end. It's like bootstraps all the way, like pulling yourself back up by those bootstraps and pushing through. I really believe in this idea of like when one window open closes, another door will open. But I also, and I really, really believe that like when something happens, that's not maybe what you expect it to happen. I always feel like there's something in there, like you're going to think of a better idea or you're going to find a more innovative way to do it, or you're going to align differently with people to make it happen. So I never really let myself fall prey to, okay, it's over or, you know, not going to happen. I've been called a very tenacious person <laughs> to that. If I have something in my brain and I really want to make it happen, I'll find a way to ha- make it happen. And not at the detriment of other people though, you know, always looking like if it's time to give up, give up. If it's time to keep going, keep going. But yeah, I totally agree with you that this is not for the meek. It's not for the fearful. It's really for people who can, you know, find a way to pull themselves back up and say, you know what, I'm going to find another way to do this. This, this was, this happened for a reason, but there's another way to get there. And I'm going to find that pathway. I love that. Where did you get, because I think it's so important, especially myself as an entrepreneur, but sometimes with myself, I'll, I'll go down a hole where if something bad happens, you know, I'm usually mostly or have been optimistic and to expect something good. If something bad happens, it's going to turn into, and that's always been the track record, but it's still very hard. Like when you're in the moment of maybe a door closing, like understanding that another one's going to open up or a new opportunity is going to open up. Where does that come from? Is this from your mentor? Is this just from your own personality? Is this from just your own experience? Well, just going back to my dad, he's super optimistic. So I think he taught me that, like, don't let these things get to you and like bounce right back up and figure out how you get there. The mentor for sure. I mean, she was by far the most tenacious woman I've ever worked with in my life. I mean, she was fearless. I 
probably half as fearless as she is. But also I think it's just through years of experience where when things kind of close or things end or things don't happen, kind of putting my brain against, okay, like, let me take 12 hours off from thinking about this and take a deep breath and let myself reset and not expecting myself right as soon as it happens to be like, okay, I need to figure out what I'm going to do here. But like, just say, okay, let me take it in. Let me breathe. Let me go off in a place and think. And then let me come back with a plan. So I really kind of have this philosophy around you don't, unless you feel it's at the end, end, end. And of course, there are those times. There are always things you can do to kind of bring things back to life and make them workable. But I mean, I do think it's okay to go down those rabbit holes once in a while, Robert. Like no one's, you know, everyone's human, right? And if you're working on a big deal or you're working with a big client or you're working on something you're really excited about, if it doesn't happen, you have the right to be disappointed about it. It's just a matter of how you pick yourself up afterwards to deal with that. Exactly. And I really think that is the key. We talked about first persistence. The second thing I always think about for successful entrepreneurs and business builders is optimism and being able to understand that. And like you said, it's okay to go down there, but then to pick yourself up and to understand, because from what I've seen too, over the years and just in business, it's like, it's so funny how some of the things that I thought were going to be the worst things for my business and the biggest doors shut, then turn into, we were lucky that happened and something bigger happens. And I love that you have that kind of attitude and how it comes from your father. And also I love what he said, which you said earlier about not sweating the small stuff, because you can really, if you do that, you can really get off track from what you want to do and what you want to build. I imagine. Totally. Yeah. You feel the same way and selfishly uh, curious what you think women's health will look like. As I mentioned, two daughters now who are just uh, teenagers and how and, and, and what do you envision women's health and care to look like, let's say, you know, a long period of time, 10 years from now? So I think that women are going to be very proactive about their health. You know, I think we've been very proactive and someone around our wellness or exercise, weight, those kind of things, which are really important that lead to health. But I think about larger health issues. I think women are going to be more proactive about their health. I think it's going to be a more virtual world. And I think we're going to find ways to put health in the hands of women so that they don't have to go seeking it out. I think that's one of the keys is making all of information and all these things more accessible so that women don't have to go seeking and fighting to to go and find it. Just backing up to sort of later stages in life, and this doesn't affect your daughters as much, but it may affect your wife and others in your life. So menopause has been, you know, 51% of the population is going to go through menopause at some point in their life. And there's nothing we can do to stop that. And yet, you know, things have really changed over the past 15 years where, you know, there's less information, there's less treatments and, and opportunities for women to really understand and take care of themselves as they approach menopause. And so I would say for those 51% of the people out there, which will eventually be your kids and my kids, I really, that is one place where I really, really hope we're going to make some major strides in normalizing and taking away the stigma and helping women have all their needs met when it comes to their health and their emotional health as well as they enter menopause, because it's just another stage of life, right? And so the list kind of goes on. I really hope, my biggest, biggest hope and prayer is that we get to a place where women have babies when they intend to, and that 
they can live full, balanced, wonderful lives and make those decisions for themselves versus having lack of access to birth control or you know information, et cetera. So lots of change needed, but I, I do, those are the things I would love to see in the next 10 years really take hold. And I do think they will based on our environment and, and the way things are going. Yeah. And for you personally and Organon and back in the startup role and mode, how are you feeling about that now as we we kind of are coming out a little bit of COVID, hopefully? I mean, every day is different, but how are you feeling personally in this role and with things starting hopefully to turn for the better? I feel really, really good about it. I have I work with an amazing team of people every day. Uh, they energize me, and we are all in it together. We have a wonderful team. Uh, but I also feel like there's a willingness and a and a appetite at working on for innovation, and that really keeps me going every day because we're going to just keep innovating around the way we communicate. We're going to innovate around the way we approach women, where we approach her HCP in terms of the way we we talk and the way we communicate. And so I feel very hopeful that we're just really at the beginning stages here and really excited about what's to come next in terms of how we make a difference. And at the end of the day, I always say to our team, we are here to push forward on our vision. And so, you know, all about going back to better and healthier every day for every woman, that is what's in my brain when I go to sleep at night, when I wake up in the morning. And so how am I making a difference today? And I would say, if you were to look at most people at Organon, they probably feel exactly the same way. And so as long as we're all in this together and fighting forward for this, I think we're going to have a lot of success in the years to come. I love it. How going from you know Planned Parenthood to holding up signs at your graduation and really still doing and, and trying to make it better. And especially through health and wellness, most importantly, nowadays with Organon, you still maintain that track. And it seems like to me, you're someone who's very fortunate because at the end of the day, there's a lot of people and we've talked to them, we've started businesses that do all different types of things that really, let's say at the end of the day, aren't helping mankind, right? Or, or womankind. But let me ask is, does, is that what brings you the most joy? 150,000%. Yes. I just want to make sure every day that I'm making a difference in some way. And that difference may be for women. It may be for health. It might be for my team. It might be for the commercial success of my company. But at the end of the day, that's really what drives me every single day. Well, you've had an incredible career. You're in a a new stage. I'm sure it's going to be as it sounds like already extremely exciting and what Organon's doing and just creating, it's incredible. And just, I would say, because you're so mission driven, I assume for those of our listeners who really are looking to join a a company or business that is focused on these initiatives, something somewhere like Organon, can they just go to the website? I know you said you guys uh, are getting a a ton of uh, requests, but I, I do find that coming out of COVID, people really want to focus on on what they believe in, kind of, as I said, what you've been doing. So is that the best place they can gain information? I would start with LinkedIn because that's where we're really, you know, sharing our story and like listening and talking where we have, we have our website, obviously, organon.com, but come to us at Organon on LinkedIn. And we also have a careers page and you know, we have an Instagram page as well and really would love, love to hear from people because on LinkedIn, we're constantly asking people to share their points of view and thoughts. 
and uh, you know, we're, we're there. We, we love to engage. Well, you are definitely in this episode is going to inspire a lot of people, not just women, but a lot of folks, you know, including myself. I'll just say at the end, like, and I hope she doesn't kill me, but my wife's kind of like at that menopause right now. And you could see like just even understanding like these like night sweat and not not understanding really what's going on. And then also from the mental aspect and, and, you know, I get it. And I'm just so glad, like you said, you're out there and helping. And the fact that you have chosen to focus on this positive and that's what excites you the most is really for me, the most inspiring part of, of your story, especially as I said, as I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs who build stuff that it wouldn't matter if it wasn't here. So Wendy, I wanted to thank you for coming on How Success Happens and so happy that you shared your story with us. Thank you so much. I'm so glad I got to come here today and love getting to talk about all these subjects. So thank you and and thanks to your listeners too. And that's our episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to How Success Happens wherever you get your podcasts. We come out with a new episode every Wednesday morning and you don't want to miss it. And if you like to share, please feel free to pass along the show to an entrepreneur friend who could use a boost, and I could always use the subscribers. And do you have ideas for guests? I always love to hear about great entrepreneurs. If you know anyone, shoot me an email at hsh at entrepreneur.com or on Twitter at Robert Tuckman, that's R-O-B-E-R-T-T-U-C-H-M-A-N, or even send me a message on LinkedIn. How Success Happens is a production of Entrepreneur Media. Be sure to visit entrepreneur.com for insight on building your business, or even better yet, subscribe to our magazine. No joke, I found my first job after reading about a company in Entrepreneur Magazine back in the 1990s. It's always been my absolute favorite magazine for entrepreneurs. Thanks for listening and spending some time with me today. Until next time, my name is Robert Tuckman, just a fellow entrepreneur and your host. See you soon.